Hi, this is Gary Rogowski. Thanks for joining me on Splinters. Today's topic, my first mistake. Well, my first mistake was thinking that I was smart. That was my first mistake. Now, I, I don't think that I should use the method that my, my daddy used to use on me, which was to, you know, fill me with confidence. Why don't you use your head? Hold that ladder steady. If your head wasn't attached, it'd fall off. You know, confidence building. He was great at that. Yeah, not so much. But that day, that day that I'm going to tell you about, I thought I had it all figured out. I was on top of it. I thought that I could hear any train coming, and I was ready for it. Now, I had borrowed two scaffolds from my sheetrocker, Garrett. These were... Tubular steel, a couple steps on them, rollers, you know, you could lock the wheels in place, but they were great for getting up high. Garrett was a nice guy, generous, fun, fun to be around, big drink of water. Six foot four, six foot five, big tall guy. Not imposing, not, not, you know, not mean. He just took up a lot of the available air with his smile, his attitude. Yeah, sure, he could squash me like a cherry tomato if he, if he wanted to, but... I thought he was a good guy. He had standards for his work, and that meant something to me. We would chat about stuff. That was nice. For a sheetrocker, he was positively a, a very thoughtful man. We would have these conversations about, uh, about the old days because of what song was playing on the radio, and he was so hepped up on his, oh, I forgot what, online radio service he had, but he loved it, you know, and he was playing the oldies all day long, and... Some song would come on and it would remind him of the old days when he used to raise hell up in the San Juan Islands. And He'd given up on that drinking life and had gotten married and he started telling me about his wife, who was the brains of his outfit now. Turns out she had been a code cracker in the Navy. And he had met her down in San Diego when, when he was Navy too. And They didn't see each other for a while and then they got back together. And since he needed to clean up his act, she was the perfect woman for him. They married and had been up here in the northwest countryside for 20-odd years or so. Damn thing was, she was a few years older than Garrett and starting to show some signs of forgetfulness. Garrett started telling me about how she had scared him one night talking strange and nonsensical stuff, and it made him worried, made him nervous. Like he could hear the freight train coming, but there wasn't anything he could do to stop it. Now, there's nothing that can take a man's knees out faster than watching someone that he loves get done in by illness, with not a cure, not a prayer in sight to help him. And listening to that train in the distance is no useful activity for any man. Better to keep your head down, or up, in his case. Keep your head in your work and just stay busy. Conversations like this between guys are shared and forgotten, mostly. We don't bring them up again. They don't mean a damn thing the next day to a guy, and they mean... Pretty much everything in the moment. Guys don't like to share their feelings unless they feel comfortable and can really trust another guy. They just don't. Usually the most trust you get out of a, another guy is the understanding that the next time you see him, this guy's going to insult you the best way he knows how. For instance, he might comment on how poorly you have always played poker or back the wrong football team, a Philadelphia football team. Or he might walk up to you and say, gee, are you walking funny these days or did your diapers just ride up on you just now? That kind of insult means he cares. Anyway, I held this information about his wife's diminished capacity, intermittent, but I held that 
information with honor and hoped that it was just an isolated event and wouldn't return again for many a year to come. That train is still off there in the distance for us all, but maybe he would have some some more good years with her. I hope with my heart for all that. Best I could do for a prayer right then, as I am a Reformed Catholic. Excuse the hell out of me. Now, to get back to the point of this story, I want to remind you that even when you think you're smart and you think you have it all figured out, that you may have to recalibrate this stance of yours in light of the evidence that will be presented to you. This evidence may indicate that you have just done something remarkably stupid. Back to my scaffolding story. You'll see what I mean. So I had these two scaffolds, and I'd been putting up these uh, light fixtures, ten and a half foot ceilings, and hanging them from the from the ceiling, and doing painting, and they were great to have. It was a real lifesaver to have these scaffolds around. And I had a little one and a big one, and moved them all over the place. I could move between them. They were great. And Garrett had let me use them, and I had finally finished with all the work I I needed to do. So I gave him a call, find out uh, where he wanted me to deliver them to. He wanted me to take them back to his place. And I said, great, I'll uh, load them up, and I'll bring them over this afternoon. So I rolled them outside and thought about putting them in the back of my pickup truck. Well, the problem was the big one fit, but it was kind of top-heavy, and the little guy didn't really fit in there, and I didn't really want to worry about the curves I was going to take with these two scaffolds and having to tie them down right. No, I just thought, let's just take them apart. It's easy. I'll just take them apart, load them up, and it's going to be easy. It, you know, it's just tube steel. It's easy to take this stuff apart and put it back together. So I, t- so I did that. I took them apart, and I got the one big scaffold taken apart and put one panel in, then another one in, slid them both over the tailgate, and they stuck out a little bit, which is fine. And the smaller scaffold, I took that apart as well, but it didn't quite fit in down into the bed and didn't quite fit over the tailgate. It was just sort of right in that in-between kind of spot. It was just a, a little cockeyed sitting on the, on the bed, and I gave it a final shove, and it still wouldn't go down to the bed. So I said, okay. I walked around the side of the truck, and I had my right hand behind this panel near the front of the truck bed, and my left was pulling it closer to straight. And it was resting on the back of the tailgate. Everything's fine. And all of a sudden, this panel found its entry point, And the whole thing slipped down a few inches, pinning my finger to the truck bed wall. My, my finger right next to my, my right pinky was pinned tight to the pickup truck wall. And it hurt. <laughs> and that's the first thing I noticed was that it hurt. And the panel had slipped down just a bit, but it, it had locked me down against that pickup truck wall like a 73-inch long steel wedge, and I could not move my hand. And did I mention? It hurt. <laughs> and that's the second thing I noticed. My finger was lodged right in, right there in, in place, right where the digit meets the palm of your hand, and when I pulled at it, I thought I might tear it off. And the panel wouldn't move, and I could not lift it because it was wedged in by its fall, and I couldn't reach around to the end to lift it, and I couldn't crawl into the truck bed without moving or ripping off my finger. And holy hell, I realized I was alone. And I was pinned here. And I might suffer some serious damage because I thought I was smart and did everything right. And then something slipped on me. I never saw this coming. I never saw this train coming. You know, once I, I had a, 
got one of those, um, not dryer sheets, uh, some sort of cleaning towel, you know, and that with one of those dispensers and that plastic shark teeth and, and the sheets weren't coming out. So I stuck my finger in there and then I read the top of the container. It said, don't stick your finger in here. And I couldn't get my finger out. Uh, I did eventually, but you know, it seems like I can find these situations to get into. Anyway, my finger took up most of my concentration just then because it hurt. This was what I noticed. The situation was a reminder, no doubt, sent by the scaffolding gods or the scaffold-loading gods that I had made a tactical error. I put my hand in the wrong spot, and I had gotten it pinned. Just some fluke thing. How did this even happen? Didn't matter. What would I do? What could I do? I mean, I couldn't call anyone. There was no one to call. I was out by myself at this cabin and no one around. I could yell and holler and no one would hear me. My phone, which rarely worked out there anyway, I would have a hell of a time getting to because my right arm was pinned and it was in my right-hand vest pocket. And so my left arm would try and reach around into that pocket. And Oh, yeah. Did I mention it really hurt? That right finger of mine was really starting to pain me, and I was starting to get a little concerned. Remember that movie scene and Sometimes a Great Notion, that movie with uh, Paul Newman, and I forgot who his brother was in that. But his brother gets his leg trapped by a log. They're, they're floating some logs downriver, and this log rolls over on him and traps his, his legs under the water. And the tide water, because they're out on the coast, the tide water's rising up. And the brothers realize that there's nothing to be done because that log won't move. They can't get it off of the guy's leg. I did not want to think about that scene in the movie, Sometimes a Great Notion. I tried to focus instead on my options. What were my options? Because the pain in my finger kept reminding me about the importance of my immediate situation. I tugged at my finger again. No luck. I pulled it. I pushed it. No luck. I went up with it. I went down with it. No luck. I tried moving the panel again. No luck. That panel was stuck in there and too heavy to lift up with my left arm all alone from where I was. And I couldn't get any leverage on it. My leg couldn't kick it because I couldn't get that over the truck sidewall. It wasn't heavy, that panel. I was just stuck with it and with my hand in the wrong spot. Now, in thinking about this situation, I think it's the glue-ups that I've been in and the situations that I've been in that make you think on your feet that may have saved my finger. All those times when the clock was ticking, like it was certainly ticking on me on me then, and I had to come up with a solution or lose a, a glue up, lose a piece in, a, in the simple assembly of it. There was no time for pointing a finger at myself, no time for recriminations, no time for blame or self-pity. It was time to get this job done. The only thing I could figure out was to try to make myself smaller and see if that worked. I know, it's a weird idea, but my finger was a part of this whole wedge package, right? So I thought, all right, it's probably swelling up a little bit because it's being pinched. So maybe if I could go zen on myself somehow in the middle of this crisis, I could make the finger smaller and then get it out. So I pulled back on the panel just a little with my left hand, and then I told myself to relax my right hand and my right finger that one next to my little pinky. And that's what I said to myself, relax. And the muscle or the pad or whatever the hell it is inside your finger there, right next to the callus, shrunk enough 
So I can move that panel just a smidge and remove my finger. Man, man, what a relief to get that thing off of me. What a relief. And I looked at my red and pained finger, went and got some ice to put on it, just shaking my head. And I, I just couldn't believe how a simple job like that could have turned into such a disaster for me. And here I was, being smart, I thought, you know, taking this all apart, avoiding disaster, and walk right into another one. How does this happen? How does this even happen? I started to let the self-pity and recrimination part kick in. Don't you attach your head in the morning, I asked myself. Yeah. Well, I did learn a lesson. I had just saved my finger. And I learned that just because I dodge a bullet every now and then does not mean that life or the great wedge or simple physics might not bite again if I'm not thinking through the, the situation. Always got to have your head on a swivel. Accidents are a silent freight train, but they can still hit you hard. And they happen in the shop. I don't tell my students, you can avoid an accident if you do this, this, and this. I tell them when you have your accident. Will it be blunt force trauma or are you going to draw blood? So you have to have habits in place. Boy, I was lacking habits that day. Circumstances can change on you in a hurry. Good spots can become bad ones. And seemingly right decisions can turn into very bad ones, too. You cannot complain about this series of events when you're in the moment. There is no time to moan about how hard you got it. You have to figure a way out before you lose something precious. Have you ever been standing at the table saw and there's that moment just before you know it's going to kick back? You know it. It's coming. So, you have to be ready. Don't presume that you're smart. You're probably not entirely right. And you're not entirely wrong either. But think before you act. My daddy was certainly right about this one thing. Use your head. Make sure it's attached. Yeah. It's important. So in these uh, continuing darkening days, keep your head on a swivel. Keep your eyes open. Try and stay focused as best you can. It's a challenge. This I know. It's a challenge. But do what you can. Join us uh, for a little uh, information and Time away from your other <laughs> concerns and woes and trials and tribulations. Join us for our online classes. We've got one coming up soon on table design. We have another couple of classes coming up on three simple finishes in December. Take a look at our website, northwestwoodworking.com. Check those out. And also, if you have a mind to uh, join us for a longer chunk of time, think about the mastery program. We started the online mastery program recently, and it's going great guns. I'm pre pretty happy with it. The only problem is the instructor, because <laughs> he doesn't get technology. But I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm, I'm getting there, getting the bugs worked out. We've got a good group, and we're going to start another group in January. If you want to join us, check out the website, request a prospectus, or write me a note. I'm happy to chat with you about it. So. The online mastery program is a two-year program. It's, it's a lot of fun. So thank you again for joining us here on Splinters. Take care of yourselves. Keep your head on a swivel. Bye-bye. <laughs>